think I'm a fool? I didn't think so. I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like this before. I think you just said something. Think, 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 think. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions in his mind as he lay on his bed. Then he wrote the dream down and related the following summary of it. It's gonna get fun today because it's gonna get weird. I'm Michael High and I'm here to tell you that God is God in the good times and the bad. Which we know before, but it's the lesson of the book of Daniel. Now, last time we met... I gotta get my coffee in there. And by the way, if you hear any extra noise today, I am not responsible. There's, I don't know if remodeling is the right word. There's reorganization going on in the room next to me, and there are people walking around making noise. So my apologies in advance. Now that I've said that, you won't hear anything. It'll just be me messing stuff up, but that will be okay. So what are we talking about? Well, Daniel 1 through 6 is narrative. You can go listen to that. It will do you good. 7 through 12 are prophetic, and it's not just any prophetic. It's apocalyptic prophetic, which means centered upon the end, centered upon God's final work, his judgment, the nations being brought under submission, the culmination of all things. Well, why is that? Why Daniel? Well, one, who are you, O man, to answer back to God? That's for starters. Second, though, because it aligns with the message of the book. If you're Daniel, your life serves as a demonstration that if you're a prosperous 15-year-old nobleman's son in Jerusalem, God is God. If Jerusalem is destroyed and the temple is raised and you have been taken into captivity, God is God. If you are struggling amidst a pagan culture seeking to be faithful, God is God. If you are in Babylon and you are being persecuted and everything seems to be going against you, God is still God. If it is apparent that an all-powerful, seemingly, king is ruling everything, and he demands every obedience and submission from you, God is still God. That's the message. Now, carry that forward. Move into the prophetic realm. Move into the apocalyptic literature that you get in the second half of Daniel. And what's the consistent message? God is still God. So Case in point, chapter 7 here. I was looking in my vision by night, and behold, always remember when you hear behold, slow down, something important is happening. The four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts were coming up from the sea, different from one another. You can read the descriptions, it will do you good, and he's looking at this and trying to figure it out, but here's the punchline. I kept looking until thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was white like snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was set ablaze with flames. The wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him, and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat. The books were opened. Hmm. That's judgment. That's God seated upon his throne bringing to culmination all of human history. Then I kept looking because of the sound of the boastful words which the horn was speaking. That's the beast from earlier. And I looked. I kept looking until the beast was slain, and its body was destroyed and given to the burning fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but an extension of life was granted to them for an appointed period of time. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. He came up to the Ancient of Days. Excuse me. And he was presented before him, and to him was given dominion 
glory and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. It's the fulfillment of Nebuchadnezzar's dream in chapter 2. So it's the fulfillment of all that God has promised. It's the fulfilling of the promises of Psalm 2. You can see the culminations of this in things like Philippians 2, in the work that Christ has done. Meaning what? God is God in the good times and the bad. When the world is seemingly ending, God is God. When powers and dominions and thrones and authorities are warring against the people of God, God is still God. See, this, as for me, my spirit was distressed within me, and, in my, and the visions in my mind kept alarming me. I approached one of those who was standing by and began asking him the exact meaning of all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. These great beasts, which are four in number, are four kings who will arise from the earth. But the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever for all ages to come. In other words, Christian, faithful Israelites in exile— Faithful follower of God, however term you want to use, God is God, the world is not. No matter what befalls you, God is God, his plans have not fallen, he will accomplish. This is one of our foundations. We are dependent upon God. We answer to him. He is the one who will save, he is the one who will judge, he is the one who will remain faithful. He is the one who will accomplish, and he, will, he is the one who will bring all good things. So you get to chapter 8. What do you get? You get this vision of the ram. You get the goat. Belshazzar is king still. And you get this another small horn, and you're just like, okay, now what, dude? Well, when I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. And behold, standing before me was one who looked like a man. And I heard the voice of a man between the banks of the Uli, and he called out and said, Gabriel, give this man an understanding of the vision. That would be helpful. So he came near to where I was standing, and when he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. But he said to me, Son of man, understand that the vision pertains to the time of the end. So he falls into a deep sleep. The ram which you saw with the two horns represents the kings of Media and Persia. The shaggy goat represents the kingdom of Greece, and the large horn at the end that is between his eyes is the first king. The broken horn and the four horns that arise in its place present four kingdoms which will arise from his nation, although not with his power. You can actually see this with Alexander. And then you see this with the breakup with the uh, Seleucids, and, oh, my brain just stopped working. And the Ptolemies and, and all of that that goes on, and they end up warring it out over the remains of Alexander's kingdom. In other words, though, what's going on? God is God, no matter what. The nations will rage Things will be undone. Things will be done that will be undone. Things will be undone that will have to be redone. But at the end of everything, God is God, always and forever. In the first year of Darius, son of Ahasuerus, of Median descent, who was made king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of years which was revealed at the word of, Je word of the Lord to Jeremiah. Excuse me. The prophet for the completion of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. In other words, Daniel's paying attention. He's tracking what God is promising and proclaiming through his faithful prophets. So I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. 
I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said, Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those who for those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned, committed iniquity, acted wickedly, and rebelled, even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. Moreover, we have not listened to the, your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and all the people of the land. In other words, there's all your foundations, huh? That God is the one who established this people, and that it is God to whom they are accountable. Therefore, it is God in whom they should trust. So what does he do? He's asking questions. What's going on? While I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God in behalf of the holy mountain of my God, while I was still speaking in prayer, then the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision previously, came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. He gave me instruction and talked with me and said, O oh, Daniel, I have, come, I have now come forth to give you insight with understanding. At the beginning of your supplications, the command was issued, and I have come to tell you, for, the, for you are highly esteemed. So give heed to the message and gain understanding in the vision. Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people in the holy city to finish the transgression to make an end of sin. In other words, he gets a layout of what's coming when the Messiah will be there what the future will look like. And you'll see part of this language is later borrowed by John in writing the book of Revelation. And seeing the work of the end that John is describing in the same terms that Daniel is seeing. So stop right here because we could get into the weeds right now. And you know what? We're not going to. Why not? Because it's not worth it. Now, if you want to give me a purely dispensational understanding of the 70 weeks, you're more than welcome to. I'm not worried. If you want to give me a purely post-millennial view, fine. If you want to give me an amillennial view, fine. I'm not going there, and here's why. That's not the point of the book. What's the point of the book? That God is God. See, how does this start out? <clears throat> this chapter, I mean. Daniel is realizing that they have been judged because of their great sin. The concern you would have at this point if you're a faithful Israelite, if you're a faithful follower of God is, is he done? Is he done with his people? I mean, we know he's promised. We hope he's not done, but the concern would be, is he done? And so you start to look around, you realize, well, there's been this 70 years decreed, and, and we're coming up on the end of it. So, I mean, if he's not done, what do we do next? There hasn't been another prophetic revelation. There hasn't been a, a message to us. What's next? You know what's next? Redemption is next. Judgment upon sin is next. Restoration for God's people is next. In other words, the creator and sustainer who will judge sin will also save his people, even if now for a little while they have suffered distress, as First Peter 1 would tell you. Even if now they have been disciplined, as was Hebrews 13, or is it 12? Read Hebrews, it'll do you good. As Hebrews would tell you, even in that discipline, God has not forgotten, he has not forsaken, he will bring to account all iniquity, and he will bring to fruition all the work of his kingdom. In other words, he will accomplish both salvation and judgment, and he will do it in his individual people because he is capable of that kind of work. That should be the takeaway. It shouldn't be some numerological rundown. It should be an understanding that God is going to accomplish and redeem his people because that's what he does. So in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, and the message was true and one of great conflict, but he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. 
In those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. I did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks, three weeks were completed. On the 24th day of the first month, while I was by the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and, and looked, and behold, a certain man dressed in linen, whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of Uphaz. His body was like barrel, and his face had the appearance of lightning, his eyes were like flaming torches, his arms, feet, arms and feet like the gleam of polished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a tumult. Yeah, that'd be enough to freak anybody out. So what's happening? Daniel freaks out, he's trembling, someone touches him, and he said, Oh, Daniel, a man of high esteem, understand the words that I am about to tell you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling, and he said, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this, or humbling yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for twenty-one days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been there with the kings of Persia. Now I come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days of the future. Hold up. So Daniel's freaked out. He's praying for understanding. This angel is sent to him, and the demonic powers, you know, the power behind Persia, are able to hold up this angel for 21 days until another angel has to go so he can go all SEAL Team 6 and rescue him. Is that how this works? And the answer is obviously no. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. So what's the message, Christian? That difficulty will arise, persecution will come, Evil will flourish because people are evil. Sin abounds. But no matter what the scheme, no matter what the power, who wins when he wants to win? And the answer is God. Which means, if it seems like evil is flourishing and that is all that surrounds us, it is because God is disciplining, God is judging, and God is pruning. We can trust and know that he is being precise, he is accomplishing all that he has promised, and that he will bring his good people to a good end. So when he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And behold, one who resembled a human being was touching my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke and said to him who was standing before me, O my Lord, as a result of the vision, anguish has come upon me, and I have retained no strength. How can such a servant of my Lord talk with such as my Lord? So here you go. There's one thing left. So what do we get? We're going to get this vision. In the first, I'm sorry, I just hit the little spot. Um, he said, do you understand why I came to you? I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia, so I am going forth, and behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. However, I will tell you what is inscribed in the writing of truth. Yet there is no one who stands firmly with me against these forces except Michael, your prince. In other words, God is at work, God is still allowing, and he is still accomplishing all that he has promised. So you go to the next chapter. In the first year of Darius the Mede, I arose to be an encouragement and protection for him. And now I will tell you the truth. Behold, three more kings are going to arise in Persia. Then a fourth will gain far more riches than all of them. As soon as he becomes strong, though, his riches will arouse the whole empire against the realm of Greece, and a mighty king will arise, and he will rule with great authority and do as he pleases. Okay, so there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Then you can go ahead and read, excuse me, sorry about that. You can read the rest of chapter 11 because what's going on? The world is going to war. The world is fighting over everything. 
like Psalm 2 tells you, they take their stand. They're going to cast off God. They're going to reign for themselves, as Nebuchadnezzar did in chapter 4 of Daniel. They're going to exalt themselves and give themselves credit and turn away from God and trust in them and them alone. Um, Christian, what should you do when you see all of that? Yeah, recognize that God is God in the good times and in the bad. Recognize that no matter what they require of me, my call is to walk faithful and trust in him. No matter what they demand of me, I cannot offer. Oh, my God, King can, oh, King can rescue us from the furnace, but even if he does not, know this, that we will not bow down and worship the image you have made. Even if he does not, because our God redeems and rescues, and the death that you bring to us is not the judgment. It is merely the entrance into an eternity with the God who redeems. That's the message here. That's what's going on. That's why the finish, the conclusion of this is in chapter 12. At that time, when all these wars are concluding, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time, and at that time, your people. Everyone who is found written in the book will be rescued. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, and those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth, and knowledge will increase. Did you catch all that? This stuff's going to continue like that until when? Until God ends it. Until that stone that was cut without hands grows into a mountain and smashes everything. And then his dominion is established forever. To him belongs the praise and honor and glory of the nations. To him is the submission of the peoples. To him, as Jude would tell you, is praise, honor, dominion, and glory forever and ever. Amen. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others were standing, one on this bank of the river and the other on, the, on, that, on that bank of the river. And one said to the man dressed in linen who was above the waters of the river, How long will it be until the end of these wonders? I heard the man dressed in linen who was above the waters of the river as he raised his right hand and his left hand and his left toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be a time, times, and half a time. As soon as they finish shattering the power of the holy people, all these events will be completed. As for me, I heard but could not understand, so I said, My Lord, what will be the outcome of these events? He said, Go your way, Daniel. For these words are concealed and sealed up until the end of time. Many will be, pured, will be purged, purified, and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand. But those who have insight will understand. From that time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up will be 1,290 days. How blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains to the 1,335 days. See, there you go. But as for you, go your way to the end. Then you will enter into rest and rise again for your allotted portion at the end of the age. In other words, Daniel, walk faithfully. Christian, but there's persecution. So what? You know. What was the means by which Christians were able to faithfully go into martyrdom, be killed, be tortured joyfully. That we've had periods in church history where church leaders had to tell people, stop trying to be martyred. 
We need you alive. Where Roman officials looked at Christians and were like, stop coming here for us to kill you. We're not doing that today. Go away. Leave us alone. We're not killing you. What, what, what was that? An understanding that this world is not my home. Eternity is where my treasure is held. I take up my cross and I die daily so that the day that I die is not a surprise or a worry or a concern because I've been preparing for it my entire life. That's how they did that. That's the encouragement here. And yes, I know we've gone through this a little quicker than we normally would, but that's because there's not a lot of detail to dive into because the... The devil is not in the details. I've said this before. God is in the details. But in this instance, too often our flesh gets into the details. And we're like, well, when's the 1,290 days? And when's the 1,335 days? And, and is that this? And it, I don't know. I don't know. I know it's an imperfect time. I know it's not a completed time because it's a work of destruction. It's a work of death and rebellion. And I know that God will complete and that he will make things whole. And I know that all that he has promised he will accomplish. Do I know when he will do that? No. That's why I remember that it is him to whom I am accountable. It is him in whom I walk. It is him in whom I trust. And it is him I look to for all things because anything else is agreeing with this world. And as the prophecies of Daniel show me, that leads me to destruction. Not just death now, but death in eternity. Judgment, ruination. But forsaking those things. Trusting and living for God, no matter what befalls, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like Daniel before the chief steward, like Daniel before Nebuchadnezzar, like Daniel before the lions. I mean, doing those things, standing firm and recognizing that God is God no matter what, means I'm walking in the right direction, and I have a hope and I have trust, and I have a future. So what have we learned here today, children? God will fulfill his promises. God has not overlooked the world, and God's accomplishment will be in his time. Hopefully, Lord willing and the creek don't rise, we will be back at it again a couple times this week. Lou should be getting out of quarantine and back to life. He got COVID, so, you know, fun, fun, fun. So hopefully we'll be getting back to some regular things. We have some interesting things to discuss and try to build upon our Christian worldview and understanding this world. So until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye.